The following is a paid program on the VOCM Big Land FM radio network. This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, licensed insolvency trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, Untying the Knot, Protecting Your Emotional and Financial Health During a Breakup. So we all dream of the happily ever after, but reality is not all couples make it. Divorce can be emotional and complicated at times, and it can be a really costly process. I know in my practice, uh, marital breakdown or relationship breakdown is one of the main causes of insolvency. So a really timely topic today. If you or someone you care about is considering a divorce or going through a breakup and in need of advice on weathering the separation storm, or if you're looking for advice on how to move forward separately, our guest today has it for you. So Kelly Lavalley is a CPA, CA, CDFA, and CFDS. You'll have to tell me what all those things mean, Kelly. (laughs) And she had a corporate accounting practice for 25 years and during this time provided financial support to clients that were going through marriage breakdown. And this transitioned for her into a full-time divorce financial advisory practice, Lavalley and Associates. Kelly is also the author of Untying the Knot, Protecting Your Emotional and Financial Health. Kelly, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So before we kind of get into the topic today, do you want to share with our listeners a little bit more about yourself and and what makes someone a divorce financial advisor and maybe a little bit about the inspiration for your book? Absolutely. I think, you know, within the world of accounting and finance, there are so many areas of specialty. It can be tough for people to understand who to go to too, you know, depending on their specific needs. But really just a divorce financial advisor is just a financial expert who has decided to specialize in the practice area of divorce and hopefully has gone about gaining a bit more technical knowledge through, you know, all those numbers or letters after my name <laughs> in the area. Um, and But even within the area of divorce financial practice, there's a few different types of accountants. There, there's um, accountants that might specialize in valuations and appraisals and forensic work. Um, and then there are more general practitioners like myself. And so I work essentially with one of the people who are going through divorce to help them decipher and understand what can be an overwhelming amount of financial information and then make decisions based on that information. Uh, you asked about the yeah. inspiration for my book. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, I, I, so I've, I've been divorced. I, I'm a child of divorce. I think, you know, back when my parents were going through it, there wasn't much support at all. Um, and even when I went through it, uh, I couldn't find a ton of, of information to help me navigate the process. And then when I began um, practicing in the area, I just felt like it's so complicated people really only do it once or twice probably Um, and I wanted to help kind of break it down into its simple steps so that people felt less overwhelmed and more supported through the process and hopefully in the process reduce their suffering as they went through it. 
We'll get into some statistics shortly, but, you know, you're right. It's a really emotional time. And some divorces and, you know, marriages end very amicably. And I've seen that in my practice, too. You know, the the spouses come to the meeting together and everything is fine. And they're just kind of working things through. But I've also seen some um, really, really uh, emotional uh, people going through it as well. So it's nice that you have Mm -hmm. that resource out there to help them as they're transitioning and going through that. So the statistics, I was actually really surprised by some of these statistics. So over 40% of Canadian marriages are expected to end in divorce before the couple reaches their 50th wedding anniversary. And for those in a second marriage, the the statistic is closer to 60%. For those in a third marriage, it's even higher at 73%. Those, Those numbers are really quite high. Like I've always heard that divorce rates are high and can get to sort of 40 or 50%, but I was really shocked to see that maybe because I'm so happily married. I don't know. <laughs> I, I want everyone to, to feel that way, but you know, money yeah. really is among one of the main reasons that's cited for relationship breakdown. And as I said at the start of the show, it's one of the leading causes of insolvency that I see in my practice. So money or more particularly finances and assets also become a contentious issue, right, when it comes to divorce. So are you surprised at all by these statistics surrounding separation? I mean, I'm sad, I guess, because I know the hardship behind those statistics. Um, I mean, we're living a long time. And um, so I'm not surprised, but I am sad for all those people that have suffered. Yeah. And, you know, according to surveys, like we said, money really is the leading cause of relationship breakdown in Canada. So is this reflective of what you're seeing or hearing among your clients? You know, I think like I think that money um, is it shines a light on underlying problems sometimes. And so if there's a lack of mutual respect or someone wanting to control the other I think that it comes out in the family finances as something of a symptom. Um, But certainly by the time people get to me, um, money has become a major source of conflict in what is now a relationship that's ending. But, But I do think that some of the seeds of the conflict that people experience financially when they're getting divorced are sown in the marriage. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Like, what is it about money that we allow it to influence our relationship so much? Yeah, I mean, I think that money, it's it's simply a tool to, to buy stuff that we need and want. But um, I think it becomes a lot more than that for people. It becomes um, a symbol of safety and security, and it can be used as a tool to control other people um and so i think we could say pragmatically it's only money but i think for most of us it represents something that's a little nearer and dearer to our kind of personal stability yeah and do you think like i i often give people advice that and we've talked about this on the show several times too you know that communicating about your household finances is paramount to the success of that, right? So um, even if you're not jointly controlling the money or you're not jointly making decisions about the money, it's important that you both know what decisions are being made and what the household budget looks like. And um, you're, you at least have some insight into that, right? So that maybe that will help with reducing stress or reducing arguing about um, 
money. Would you agree with that? Communication is kind of like the key to the success. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think that it makes sense in marriage to divide and conquer. People focus on their strengths and what they prefer doing. And I think money is one of those things that often one person takes a lead on. But I think that you have to be intentional about continuing to communicate about it. Because unlike, say, raising kids, where one person might be the um, primary caregiver, when you're raising kids together, the kids are out in the open. You can't help but see how the parenting is evolving. And so both people tend to stay involved, at least at a strategic level, if not doing the heavy day-to-day lifting. Uh, but with, with money, you know, especially if, if you, as a person who isn't as involved, don't find it all that interesting, aren't that super excited about having date night where you go through the family budget. You really have to be intentional to stay involved. And I mean, okay, I my lens might be a little gray, but I, I believe that not only is it, of course, insulating you from risk if things go poorly, and that's not just divorce, it could be death or disability of your partner, but even in the marriage, I mean, I, I'm sure you would say the same you practice. I haven't met two people who manage money the exact same way. And so if one person in a marriage abdicates financial management to their spouse, they can pretty much guarantee that the person's going to make choices that they wouldn't make. Um, and, and I believe that if both people collaborate together, you can actually get a better result that meets both people's needs. Absolutely. It kind of ensures you're on the same page, right? So when you're setting goals, so maybe, you know, your goals are are short term and you're planning for a vacation or maybe they're longer term where you're planning for the kid's education or retirement. And you want to make sure that you're on the same page with, you know, what of your savings or what of your financial budget are you allocating to those things, right? I actually think too that lack of communication is sometimes what is actually creating the conflict because if one person would like to spend more and they're not controlling the finances and the other person is feeling like they're constantly having to rein someone in I, I think that if if it was more of an open dialogue about this is our financial reality that both people would be pulling on the rope together. They'd be more aligned. But if you don't understand the family finances, then of course you want to go on the big trip and not worry about it because you're not informed. So I, I completely agree with what you're saying, that communication is so important and can actually prevent conflict. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if money is tight, that conflict can can then escalate because um, the stress of the the finances just adds to maybe a breakdown in communication or to the arguing or or the disagreement around finances, and it just snowballs from there. Well, for those experiencing relationship difficulty and contemplating divorce, Kelly says that there are five things to consider. We're going to talk about those when we come back. Please stay with us. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. 
My guest today is Kelly Lavallee. She's a divorce financial advisor and author of the book, Untying the Knot, Protecting Your Emotional and Financial Health. So before the break, Kelly, we were talking about the importance of communication and really looking at the finances together to try to avoid conflict and making sure you're on the same page. But we know that there is relationship difficulty. We know that there are people out there that separate and and go on to divorce. And you say there's five things that they should be considering. So let's talk through those. What can you tell our listeners about those five things? For sure. And this is if you're, you haven't reached that final decision um, to end the relationship. I mean, first, this is news probably to people, but divorce is extremely difficult. The process of getting divorced and then often the lingering effects of living post-divorce, especially if you shared kids. And so I think that I mean, speaking from my own personal experience, when you get to the brink of divorce and your relationship has probably been challenging for a while, I think that you could think or imagine that divorce will be a relief from that. It'll be maybe the easier path that's going to relieve all of this pressure that you've been experiencing in the relationship. But when you get to that point, I just I want you to understand that both paths are difficult. Working to repair a marriage that's gotten to the brink of divorce is super difficult and it might not work. And going through a divorce and living with the aftermath of divorce is also going to be super difficult. So um, I think that, you know, my my I would like to encourage people to really do everything that you can to make the marriage work. And it's not because I think divorce is wrong. It's just that I know divorce is hard. And if you are certain that you did everything that you could, you did your absolute best to make the marriage work, then coping with the challenges of going through and being divorced, it's just going to be a lot easier to accept because you did your best. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's steps that you want to take, right, when you're when you're contemplating and, and making the decision on whether or not that's the path that you're going to take. So I guess one of them would be to talk to a lawyer and get some legal advice. Yes, I think people are hesitant about, about talking to a lawyer because in, in a lot of people's minds, they equate talking to a lawyer with creating an adversarial experience in their divorce. But really what you're trying to do is assess what is my life like now in my marriage and and compare that to what you imagine your life might look like through divorce and and post-divorce and you really can't do that without understanding legally what your divorce is going to look like because i think we all have an idea of what divorce is going to look like but it's like saying i know what it's going to feel like to be a parent because i've seen kids you know like every divorce is unique And when you go and meet with a family lawyer, you get a sense, a better sense of what yours is going to look like. And I get that this doesn't sound that romantic, but understanding that is part of putting that those puzzle pieces together to envision what your life will look like. Um, And of course, you know, I wouldn't encourage someone to stay together just for the money, but it, it, it is just part of the equation that you need to consider. And of course, it'll also help you decide on the next steps if you decide to move ahead with the divorce. Um, I think, you know, if if you think of like gathering information, the, the legal bit is part of it. And then the other piece, the other big piece is all of the financial information. And, you know, like we were talking about, I think it's great to understand your family finances, whether you stay or go. Um, and so, if you are contemplating divorce, 
I would encourage you to gather information about the family finances. What do you own? What do you owe? What do you make and spend? Just simple, just get like a simple understanding of the lay of the financial land. Yeah, and you know, Kelly, to your point, you mentioned that divorcing can be long, right? And it can be an expensive process. Well, according to the most recent Canadian Legal Fees Survey, the cost of divorce in Canada averages, um, you see, per individual, $1,353 for an uncontested divorce, $12,875 for a contested divorce, and taking the divorce to court could cost you over $50,000. What's your response to these costs? Like, Based on your experience with clients, how often are divorces contested? versus uncontested. Yeah, I imagine that could, that probably feels pretty discouraging for people who are considering this or, or who are in the middle of it. And I mean, I, I hate to be negative, but I actually don't think that those stats capture the whole cost because um, not only do you incur professional fees, um, you also are dividing up the family asset base. So that even though, yes, only half those assets were yours, I suppose, but it, it doesn't, you know, you don't drive up to your nice big house thinking about how you own half of it, you know. So experiencing that cutting of the family pie in half feels like a major setback. And the other um, thing that happens is divorcing, like you said, can take a, a long time. And in that time, you're not as productive as you otherwise would have been because you're going through a very typical time. And so often people's ability to earn is diminished. And you're establishing two households and losing the economies of scale that come with sharing. And so, I mean, this is what I tell my clients. You should accept that divorce is going to be a significant financial setback. And it's, I, I mean, it's the rainy day that you were saving for, and you will rebuild after. But I think that, you know, if you are going into divorce, resisting the idea that this is going to have a cost to you, then it's even more painful. So, um, you know, I think um, in my experience, the, the, the financial costs are, are sig significantly worse than these statistics imply. And, you know, you can, you know, when we think about contested or uncontested, and a lot of people say, I want an amicable divorce. And, and I love that. I mean, I, that's my goal in my practice as well. I think conflict for conflict's sake is, is just a waste of time and money and emotional energy. However, the, the process is going to inf include conflict and so to say I want an amicable divorce, it's sort of like saying I want an amicable marriage. Like you, you're you going to have conflict in, in both a marriage and a divorce because you're humans. And in a divorce, you're not at your best and you're now counterparties in the negotiation. And so I think to say we're going to handle conflict with maturity and professionalism. I know that's kind of a weird thing to think about when you're talking about your, your mate or your soon-to-be ex. But... Uh, to the extent that you can be professional through the conflict and move through it instead of getting stuck in it. Because I think we've all seen people who go through a divorce, maybe there was some tough times at the end of their marriage, they had a contentious or, or conflict-filled divorce, and they get stuck in it. And, you know, 10 years later, they're still, you know, reliving that conflict and their relationship with their ex if they need to maintain one because of shared kids. Uh, continues to be injected with all that conflict. 
And I guess the conflict sometimes is because of um, the emotion. Sometimes it's because of a disagreement around money and, and assets and that kind of thing. But certainly it can be an emotional process. Like I said, I've had clients come in that are, you know, trying to be professional and um, work with each other through things. And, and I've seen the other side as well. But your recommendation is that when people are going through divorce, they manage their thinking so that they focus clearly um, what you call the business of divorce. So can you share what you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I've been divorced, so I understand it, it doesn't feel like business. But really, I think of it as there's, there's two things going on. You're going through a very personal, emotional experience of a relationship ending. And for most people, you're negotiating one of the biggest business deals of your life. Um, and Unfortunately, you don't have time to resolve one and then move on to the other. Like you're doing these things at the same time. And so to the and one impacts the other, right? Like if if you're emotional, if you're angry or sad and grieving, then that's going to impact the way you manage the business element of your divorce. And if the business element of your divorce isn't going well, it's going to impact you emotionally. And so I think that part of the thing that can help is just understanding the reality that you're doing two separate things. You're trying to work through the end of your relationship and grieve and be furious if that's your situation. And you're negotiating a business deal that is going to impact your future. And so to the extent that, and I know this isn't easy, but to draw a line between those and compartmentalize to the extent that you can when you're working on the financial aspects of your divorce just be as pragmatic and professional and treat it like a business deal to the extent that you can we're all human it, you know it, these two areas do bleed together but just at least having that goal in mind will help yeah and i guess to your point the business side is when you're looking at dividing the assets looking at you know determining child support or spousal support or, or what are what those things are so we're going to get some advice from kelly on what you should be considering around those things when we return please stay with us take a break join us weekdays from 12 30 to 1 p.m as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now it's all on the table during your vocm lunch break welcome back you're listening to your money with bdo i'm your host nancy sneddon licensed insolvency trustee with bdo canada here in newfoundland and labrador joining me is kelly Valley. She's a divorce financial advisor and author of the book, Untying the Knot, Protecting Your Emotional and Financial Health. So Kelly, let me congratulate you on your book. It really is receiving some rave reviews, but one of the reviews that stood out to me is, Untying the Knot provides practical help to resolve the financial challenges that come with divorce. And just as important, it is comforting and empowering. A must read if you are feeling insecure about your financial future. That's from a matrimonial lawyer and author, Jacqueline Newman. So I wanted to make note of that review because there's a lot of insecurities and stresses we've talked about, right, when it comes to divorce, especially when it comes to finances and financial security. So moving through those feelings is an important part of successfully managing the business of divorce, as we just discussed. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, divorce creates a mountain of uncertainty and change in your life, and, and us humans are are not usually huge fans of that amount of change, um, and so it can feel scary. And you know, especially when it comes to your finances, which impact your security at a pretty deep and emotional level. I, I mean, I know it's it is 
just money, but it is what we need to, you know, sustain ourselves. So when you're dealing in particular with financial uncertainty, it can be scary. And, you know, so what I encourage people to do is to just take it one step at a time. I know that might sound trite, but it's a big project. And when you look to your final settlement or try and imagine your post-divorce life, it's often in a fog. It's it's too uncertain to to be able to figure out, and that can feel even scarier and more overwhelming. So it's taking it one step at a time because you can handle that next step and making sure that you have a good team around you because it is a technical process. You are the decision maker in your divorce, but you can't be expected to be the expert because people don't do this very often and it is a technical process. So make sure that you have a team around you and that sounds fancy, but just a lawyer um, and maybe an accountant and maybe some personal support that builds you up and, and supports you as you're taking it one step at a time. And I, I think too, just to just to hopefully take comfort in knowing that it's scary. Everyone who goes through this feels scared, scared, and you just have to kind of set the fear to the side and take one step at a time. No, I agree. It's a, and that's like a good approach right, in a lot of things in life, right? Take a breath one step at a time, move on to the next and, and, and figure things out. But you talked earlier about how important it is to gather the information, looking at um, the different assets that you have and, and coming to valuations. But when it comes to divorcing and dividing assets and determining support, it can really be difficult sometimes because... You know, you've built that life together, you've accumulated those uh, assets, and you're looking at value, but there's monetary value, but I'm sure in a lot of cases, too, there could be some sentimental value. So how do you determine the, the, the overall value when, that you're considering here? Like, how do people address sentimental value versus the actual monetary value of things? Yeah, I mean, especially early in the process, the idea in particular, for example, of someone leaving the family home can feel extremely emotional. Memories there, the uncertainty that that might create, right? So, I mean, it's a good and bad reality that it takes some time to go through this process because it, it allows people's, you know, emotions to settle a little bit. Um, but I encourage people to, okay, step one, figure out what assets are in the shared bundle because sometimes you know we if we think of getting married young with nothing and building assets together everything you own is probably going to be split but there are some situations in which not all the assets are captured in that shared bucket so that's the first step what are we sharing and then the next step is to to just take like a first pass at what do i want what am i prepared to give up are we going to sell anything or are we going to share things? You know, that, that makes my account heart pound, but um, sometimes it's necessary. So, but that's just sort of a first pass because what I encourage my clients to think about is you can't decide if you want to buy something because that's what you're doing. If you're keeping an asset, you're buying your ex's half, right? So you can't decide if you want to buy something until you know what it's going to cost you. Right, said every accountant every time. <laughs> um, so yeah. I, that's why I'm saying that first concept you have about how you're going to divide assets, I, I just encourage people to stay flexible about, about that because after you do that, 
and you decide, okay, this is the stuff that either I'm going to keep or my ex is going to keep. Now we need to value those things, like you're saying. And and we're going to hire experts probably to tell us what they're worth because it's not like we're going to sell the stuff. I mean, so we have to come up with some way of deciding how much is my half or his or her half so that we could buy them out or they could buy us out. Um, and that process, when you hire an expert, probably jointly engaged to determine a value, they're not going to be sentimental, right? And so once you have that data, you can refine your plan. And if two people, for example, have a sentimental attachment to something, you have to think really hard, or I want you to think really hard about whether you can afford the premium that that emotional connection is going to cost you because it, that is going to have an impact on your future. Um, and so if you can afford to, to make that, you know, purchase, fine. But, but I have found that people's sentimental attachment to their assets that they've created in their, in their family together tends to diminish over time as they move away from the marriage and so I, I really caution people about paying that big premium for their feeling of attachment to assets when that feeling is likely to diminish. Yeah, and I think they need to look at their overall financial situation, like what it is um, maybe today, but then what it's going to be in future as now you're, you're paying for two individual households versus two incomes contributing to one household, right? That's how I often find people are coming to me because as they had two incomes in one household, they were managing with their, their debt load, for example, but now two separate sets of expenses with the same debt load, it can become unmanageable. So you want to really be considering that in conjunction with the assets that you may need, that you want to keep, that you may be uh, needing to buy out, and, and how is that going to impact things? I think the other thing that comes into play when you're considering that too, and what your budget and your income is going to be, is um, spousal support, right? So let's talk a little bit about that. What advice can you share with our listeners when it comes to determining spousal support? I mean, it is the like when you think about dividing finances, right? It's what's what's in the shared asset base and who's going to keep what. Um, and what are we valuing it at? It's it's actually quite simple, right? It's not it's not easy. There are challenging topics, but it's relatively simple. Support, in particular, spousal support, is not simple, um, and it's not easy. And you know, I think, of course, most people they actually avoid court, and no one wants to go to court. But in the back of your mind, when you're going through divorce, you think, what would the court do? Because I probably won't ask for wildly more than my best case scenario if I went to court, but I'm also not going to accept wildly less than my worst case if I went to court. And so that is what kind of helps to move along in negotiation. When it comes to spousal support, the results in court are so varied um, that it makes it more difficult to negotiate an outcome. Um, And so and it's geographically specific, you definitely, definitely need to talk to a lawyer about what your entitlement or your responsibility to pay is. I personally like a, as clean a break as possible. And because, you know, an ongoing connection, if it's, a, if it's support paid over time, some of it can't be avoided. But if it's support paid over time or share, ongoing shared assets, 
create ongoing conflict um, or the possibility of ongoing conflict, which I try and help my clients avoid. And so you do have an option with spousal support, any support, but spousal support in particular, to receive a lump sum buyout if you are um, entitled to receive support. The, the challenge is that someone's future income is uncertain, right? So you're having to, to make a choice based on uncertainty, whether you're the payer or the receiver of support, because you now know what your income is going to do or what your ex's income is going to do. Um, but just keep in mind that if you do opt to take a lump sum payment for spousal support, that receipt is not taxable. It's not deductible to the payer. It's not taxable to the recipient. If you have an annuity, so if you take spousal support over time, that's deductible to the payor and taxable to the recipient. And this is, can be a big number, so you have to, to keep that in mind when you're structuring your support. Yeah, it's so important to get the right advice when you're considering these things, right? So you really have a good understanding of the impact. And I guess that a lot of times people are really worried about uh, their future financial security, right? So. What should they be keeping in mind when it comes to their future financial security for both parties, really? Yeah, I mean, you hit on it when you were talking about can you afford to keep the assets that you want to keep, you know? And I think a vital step in this process after you've, you know, established your first plan. So this is these are the assets I'd like to keep. This is what I'd like to give up. This is what I think I'm going to be receiving or paying for spousal support is to test the viability of that plan. Uh, because you don't want to get into a situation where you can't afford to keep the house um, or you're spending more than you're earning. And so one thing that I, I see, you know, is, is something that often people miss if they aren't working with a financial expert is just saying, uh, uh, this is what I would like in terms of my approach to the division of assets and support. This is what I'm entitled to or I'm obligated to, to do. Does it work? Is it financially viable? Um, do I have sufficient liquidity or am I going to be completely debt-laden? You know, am I earning or, or bringing in through support more than I'm spending? And so I think it's, it's vital either to do it yourself or to work with a financial professional to say, does my plan work? Yeah, it's so, so important, right? A lot of times people think, oh, they need a lawyer when they're going through divorce, but getting advice from a financial advisor so you're planning for your future uh, or even a licensed insolvency trustee for, like myself so you understand the obligations around debt, right? I see time and time again in my practice that, you know, one spouse is coming into file because their ex has filed and they're upset because they had agreed to take on the debt as part of the divorce, but their name is still attached to the debt, right? Just because they're taking it on, it doesn't uh, free them from the obligation. So there's a lot to consider and you want to, you want to talk and make sure that you're getting the right advice. And on that note, you talk about the business of divorce being primarily a negotiation. So we're going to hear from Kelly on that. When we come back, please stay with us. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit the online at vocm.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Kelly Lavalley. She's a divorce financial advisor and author of the book, Untying the Knot, Protecting Your Emotional and Financial Health. 
So in the last segment, we talked about dividing assets and determining support when divorcing. And it can be a really difficult process. Sometimes it can become contentious, as we mentioned. So there's no doubt that, you know, separating can often be emotional. And another reason to remember Kelly's advice to remove the emotion and remember it really is a negotiation, a negotiation that's part of the business of your divorce. So Kelly, what is your advice on managing your emotions, your thoughts and, and feelings during this process? Yeah, I think first is to accept that it is a negotiation. I think that that can be pretty jarring for people um, because they they were so connected to this person. Um, and so if they're thinking, but I, I just want to be fair and I, I know my ex wants to be fair, then why would I view this as a negotiation? Or it, it can also be that people are furious and they're viewing it as a battle. Um, and both sides are going to negatively impact you as you move through the negotiation because the reality is, on the one hand, even if both parties want to be fair, you can ask 10 people what fair is and you will get 10 different answers. And so it's a wonderful place to start. But I, I think that if, if you conclude that because both of you want to be fair that you're not going to have a difference of opinion about what that looks like, then when you come up against that reality, it can be distressing. You can feel like, but we had a, an agreement that we are going to do this amicably. So understand that it is going to involve give and take, even if you're both totally aligned in your desire for fairness and being amicable with one another. And then on the other side, if you're, if you're wanting to play out the conflict that was likely at the end of marriage, marriages don't usually just peter off peacefully, um, in this, this business aspect of your divorce, uh, it's going to be a lot longer and a lot more expensive and you're gonna, your, your decision making is going to be clouded. So step one is to accept that it's a negotiation, accept that you're going to have a different opinion about the, uh, the outcome that you want to see than your ex is going to have and that you're really on opposite sides of the table, a, a, maybe a jarring shift because you've been sitting beside the person for a long time. Um, and then I, the other big thing, and this is just like big picture in terms of the negotiation, is to, to move your perspective from the past to the future. So when you're thinking about you know, how you're going to divide the finances and what your entitlement or obligation is around support, to not focus on, well, this is what happened in our marriage, and that's what I'm bringing into my decision-making in terms of the negotiation. Because what really matters now is just your legal rights and responsibilities and your future. And so if you can maintain those two key parts of the mindset, then you're off to a good start. And I guess keeping in mind, too, that, it, like you said, it is a negotiation, but oftentimes negotiation means making concessions. Right. So how do you know when and what concessions you really should be making here? Yeah, well, accepting that there will be concessions is, is also uh, important. <laughs> you're, you're not going to get everything you want. Um, and um, and your ex isn't going to get everything they want. So, uh, you know, and, and we, we can't help but bring some of the dynamic we had in the marriage into this negotiation. So but you might need to reprogram a little bit if you were the more dominant person and if you set the tone financially you're going to have to let go of that because that's not how it's going to be in this negotiation or it shouldn't be 
and uh, vice versa. If you were kind of like taking the back seat in financial management, you're going to have to step into taking control and some power back in that dynamic with your now counterparty in this negotiation. So I think to say there are going to be things that are super important to you and super important to your ex. And to the extent possible, you don't want to concede those points. But if that's a long list for you or your ex, it's going to become harder and harder to reach negotiated outcome. And the fact is, if you can't reach a negotiated outcome and someone imposes one on you, either through arbitration or going to court, you're not going to get all those things on your list. So to the extent that you can be as flexible as possible, you can actually take advantage of, for example, valuations. You know, if you you want to buy low, (laughs) sell high. And so if you can retain your flexibility, you increase the odds of actually reaching a negotiated deal and getting the best deal for yourself. Um, And so I think that, you know, concessions, when you make them, how you make them, it is one of those areas where our emotions can seep into the negotiation. Like if you're feeling like you were steamrolled at any point in your marriage or near the end of it, then you might dig in and say, I'm, I'm not moving. You know, if you, if you hear yourself saying, I'm not moving, they need to move first. Uh, it's their turn. I could, this is a sign that you may not be thinking as pragmatically as you want to, to maximize your own outcome. Yeah, it's probably one of the most difficult things to take the emotion out of, especially if it's not an amicable uh, divorce. But it is important to get to the right place. And I guess you want to weigh out how much are you paying in legal fees to get to a different answer that may not even be a different answer. So there's so much to consider. And we certainly talked about a lot today. But when you look at everything that we've discussed and and how uh, contentious things can be sometimes and how difficult it can be to come to an agreement, and when we hear the divorce statistics that we mentioned earlier, is a prenup something that you would consider, a prenuptial agreement something that you would recommend? I mean, I do recommend it. I I totally get that this is not a super romantic experience to say, hey, let's talk about what we would do if our relationship ended. But um, when you get married or enter a marriage-like relationship, you're entering into a legal arrangement. It's just that most people haven't read it. They don't know what it is. But, you know, the family law, wherever you live, is going to govern the end of your relationship. And so I look at a prenup or a marriage contract as a way of, one, making sure you're informed about the deal you're entering into and crafting it or customizing it in a way that works better for both of you. I think there's this misconception that a prenup is to protect the wealthy person um, against, you know, this poorer person taking advantage of them or using them for their money. And that's that's not true. <laughs> All it is is a way of customizing your financial arrangement should things end. Yeah, so it's certainly something for those out there who are considering marriage, something to consider, and maybe even just get some advice on before making a final decision. But Holly, it's been great having you on the show today. I know that uh, you've had a lot of great advice for our listeners, but we've got some time now for some final thoughts. So if you could share a final thought with our listeners today, what would it be? I mean, I think that um, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're in it or you're uh, wherever you're at in the stage of, of this process, Um, and you're feeling overwhelmed, I I assure you, you're going to get through it, and you can handle each step. 
So I would, I know I've said this a few times, but just to focus on the step in front of you and get help because it is a technical process. And so get legal help, get financial help, make sure you have good personal support if that's, you know, a professional or friends and family, because you, you know, you're not functioning at your best as you try and process this trauma and you're going through a significant business deal that's going to impact your future. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we talk about that on the show all the time on many topics. So it's important to talk to professionals, get the right information, make sure that you're well-informed and making a knowledge-based decision. So thanks so much for joining me today. If people wanted to reach out uh, to get some advice, maybe wanted to pick up a copy of your book, what's the best way for them to do that? You bet. The book's available at pretty much any online retailer, or you can go to my website for a link, which is lavalley.ca. I mean, you can reach out to me there as well if you want to just have a chat about your situation. Great. Again, thanks so much for joining me. And to our listeners out there who maybe have gone through a divorce or considering divorce, it's never too late to get some advice around what it means for your debt. Like I said, I see many clients who... um, find themselves in a situation where they do need to file a consumer proposal or bankruptcy or maybe uh, thought that their spouse was taking over the debt as part of the agreement and it ends up not necessarily being the case. So there's no obligation to talk to me, um, but it lets you make an informed decision and make sure that you know what you're getting into when it comes to your debt as part of this process. So as always, if you do have a comment or question or topic that you'd like me to talk about here on Your Money, you can email me at yourmoney@bdo.ca or give us a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Sneddon. Stay safe and be well everyone if you have a question or comment for your money send an email to your money at bdo.ca this has been your money with nancy snedden of bdo licensed insolvency trustees on vocm the proceeding was a paid program on the vocm big land fm radio network